0: You are listening to Community Supported Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. It's 6 p.m., Monday, May 17th, 2021. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Right after the BBC headlines, outrage continues to reverberate in the wake of the California Report's investigation of delayed compensation for victims of fires caused by PG&E. Also, a report on how the pending recall of Governor Newsom puts the state's lieutenant governor front and center. Then, National Native News reports on the Indian Health Service and its efforts to vaccinate adolescents. After a roundup of regional news and weather, Sid Brown takes us on a walk in the park.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. State and federal officials are calling for answers from a special trust set up to compensate thousands of victims of fires caused by Pacific Gas and Electric. This after a KQED investigation found that PG&E's Fire Victim Trust spent more than $50 million on overhead last year, while the vast majority of fire survivors didn't see a dime of money. The California Report's Lily Jamali joins me now with more. Lily?
2: That's right, Saul. Fire victims certainly took notice. Our investigation has been shared widely on social media groups where pg e fire survivors exchange tips and information. One of them, Kirk Trossel, is demanding a federal judge step in. Trossel is demanding transparency and accountability and citing our report called administrative expenses, quote, out of control, Two congressmen whose districts have been hit hard by PG&E wildfires, North State Republican Doug LaMalfa and North Bay Democrat Mike Thompson, have both also expressed outrage over fees being charged by top officials of the Fire Victim Trust, some of whom have billed more than $1,000 an hour. Assemblyman James Gallagher, who represents Paradise, had this to say.
3: We need to have complete transparency where that money has gone, and victims need to be compensated immediately.
2: A spokesperson for Governor Gavin Newsom declined to comment on our findings, and the trust itself continues to decline our requests to be interviewed. The trust has started to make more payments this year, about $200 million so far, but that is still less than 2% of the approximately $13.5 billion fire survivors were promised. One thing slowing all of this down is the unusual way that this trust was set up. The settlement with Fire Survivors allows PG&E to fund the trust partly with cash, but also with stock in PG&E itself. Assemblyman Gallagher had this suggestion.
3: Maybe some of these vendors should be getting paid in stock. You know, maybe some of these uh, these administrative expenses, would, would they mind getting paid in stock?
2: A question many fire survivors are asking now is how long will it take for the trust to compensate everyone? Every dollar towards overhead comes out of the pot of money for them. Saul?
1: Thanks, Lily. That's the California Report's Lily Jamali. You can read more about our exclusive investigation into the trust. It's up now at kqed.org. Support for the California Report
3: comes from Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. California Health Care Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care, on the web at chcf.org slash voices. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy,
1: clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. The job of lieutenant governor tends to be a low profile office in California, but the campaign to recall Governor Gavin Newsom will put current lieutenant governor Eleni Kunalakis front and center. KQED politics reporter Katie Orr takes a look at what role Kunalakis will play and how she could affect the election.
4: At first glance, Kunalakis' role seems pretty straightforward. She must set a date for an election within 60 to 80 days after the recall petition signatures are officially certified, which will happen in the fall. Kunalakis says she's focusing on what's best for voters. I think that the general principle is that it should be a day that is relatively convenient for California voters to make sure that they have ample time to consider the questions on the ballot and are able to get their ballot and send it in and make sure that their vote counts. And while she has a 20-day window to set the election, Kunalakis says she doesn't believe the exact date will make too big a difference. But Brandon Streisner, a senior research fellow at the California Constitution Center, says it actually might. Setting the election further back in the 20-day window would give candidates more time to file papers needed to qualify for the ballot. That could result in a large number of candidates. That's what happened in the 2003 recall. 135 candidates clogged up the ballot. Streisner says he thinks the lieutenant governor will try to strike a balance when deciding when the election will be held.
1: We're letting serious candidates get on the ballot. We're not denying ballot access to any serious candidate. But perhaps there could be a consideration for not overwhelming the voters with a number of non-serious vanity candidates as well.
4: One person who won't be a candidate? Kunalakis herself. Unlike her 2003 counterpart, Lieutenant Governor Cruz Bustamante, Kunalakis says she will not run. Bustamante ran as sort of an insurance policy to prevent Republicans from winning the office if then-Governor Gray Davis was recalled, which he was. But Republican Arnold Schwarzenegger easily beat the lieutenant governor, and Bustamante's critics say his being in the race may have contributed to Davis's defeat. Kunalakis says Democrats know better this time around. Our insurance policy is that we all recognize that Governor Newsom has been doing a very good job during an unprecedentedly difficult time and that our insurance policy is let's vote no on the recall and make sure that Governor Newsom can continue to do his job. But just because Kunalakis doesn't plan to jump into the race, that doesn't mean another Democrat won't decide to, especially if Governor Newsom looks vulnerable. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento.
1: And finally this morning, Los Angeles Lakers star Kobe Bryant was among those who were inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame this weekend. Vanessa Bryant accepted the honor for her late husband.
2: I wish my husband was here to accept this incredible award. He and Gigi deserve to be here to witness this. Gigi would be so proud to watch her daddy get enshrined into the Basketball Hall of Fame.
1: Bryant and his daughter, Gianna, or Gigi, were among the nine people killed in a helicopter crash in Calabasas in January of 2020. Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett were among the others inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend. And that's the California Report for Monday, May 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Talk tomorrow.
5: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Indian Health Service facilities last week began vaccinating ages 12 and up with the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine, following FDA approval to include adolescents 12 to 15 years old and the approval of the Advisory Council on Immunization Practices. Dr. Matthew Clark is the safety and monitoring team lead of the IHS COVID-19 Vaccine Task Force.
3: Early in the pandemic, the risk of both infection and severe illness from COVID was highest in the elderly population and those with at-risk conditions. As time has passed and as more older folks have been vaccinated, really what we're seeing is more infection among our younger folks in the communities that we serve. We also know that while not terribly common, children not only get infected, but they can have serious complications from infection. There's an important point regarding protecting children from serious infection, certainly those who are at higher risk. But then there's also the point of trying to protect other members, vulnerable members of the community from infection that can be spread from children.
5: Dr. Clark says parents and adolescents who have questions and concerns should talk to their doctor and access information about the vaccine.
3: The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine was the first COVID vaccine to be authorized by the FDA for use in the United States uh, dating back to December. So we now have about five to six months worth of both effectiveness and safety data regarding this vaccine, and we know that it is both highly effective and safe for use. Uh, we now know that it is equally effective and safe for use in uh, persons aged 12 to 15. Specifically, when comparing the a group of twelve to fifteen year olds who were vaccinated with the placebo group, the group that were not vaccinated in clinical trials, there was a hundred percent effectiveness at preventing severe infections.
5: The Navajo area IHS immediately started to vaccinate ages 12 and up following IHS approval. Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez in a virtual town hall last week made the announcement, then took his 13-year-old son to get the vaccine at a site in Gallup, New Mexico.
2: As always, uh, we try to walk the talk, right? If we're encouraging our parents to get their children vaccinated, you know, we're doing the same.
5: Navajo area IHS officials say vaccinating 12 and up is a significant step in the fight against COVID-19. According to the IHS, the agency has ample supply of Pfizer vaccine and will work with IHS area offices, federal, tribal, and urban sites for distribution. The Department of the Interior has initiated next steps in a land allotment program for Alaska Native Vietnam veterans. The agency announced last week its beginning tribal consultations reviewing previous plans and will expedite and process applications under the program eligible individuals have the opportunity to select an allotment of up to 160 acres of federally managed land for veterans who did not have access to land allotments while serving during the vietnam war alaska's governor recently announced a proposal that would allow the veterans to exchange their federal allotments for state land The state proposal is said to be land that is generally closer to home than what they would receive through the federal program. Veterans who joined the governor for the state's announcement said they faced obstacles in participating in the federal program, including trying to overcome trauma when they returned home. Federal lands are available for selection through December 2025. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
1: Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.
0: Two small earthquakes shook the Lake Tahoe area just after noon today, the U.S. Geological Survey reports, according to the Sacramento Bee. A 3.6-magnitude tremor hit at 12.24 p.m., followed by a 2.6-magnitude quake at 12.49 p.m., according to the USGS. Both quakes were centered underneath the lake. A cluster of small earthquakes, with the largest registering at 4.7 magnitude, hit near Lake Tahoe on May 6 and were widely felt in Nevada County and surrounding areas. Despite new guidance about face masks from the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, California will maintain its current mask mandate until June 15, when the state is on track to fully reopen its economy. The state has been reviewing the new CDC guidance since it was released on Thursday. Dr. Mark Galley, California Health and Human Services Secretary, issued a statement today that read in part, California has made amazing progress in our fight against COVID-19. With more than 34 million vaccines administered, we now have among the lowest case and positivity rates in the nation. On June 15th, California plans to implement the CDC's guidelines around masking to allow fully vaccinated Californians to go without a mask in most indoor settings. This four-week period will give Californians time to prepare for this change while we continue our relentless focus on delivering vaccines, particularly in underserved communities. Galley went on to say, As of May 3, 2021, face coverings are no longer required outdoors except at crowded events and for unvaccinated people when physical distancing cannot be maintained. In indoor settings outside of one's home, including public transportation and schools, face coverings continue to be required regardless of vaccination status. This afternoon, the Nevada County Public Health Department Coronavirus Dashboard reported eight new confirmed COVID-19 cases since Friday for a total of 118 active cases. Five cases were reported as hospitalized. Ramona Howard, executive director of Nevada County Media, noted on her Facebook page late last week that, In a first for Nevada County Media, a video was removed from its YouTube channel, apparently due to its violation of the platform's so-called medical misinformation policy. The content that YouTube removed was a video of last Tuesday's Nevada County Board of Supervisors meeting. The morning session, which was held outside at the Nevada County Fairgrounds, included a cavalcade of public commenters objecting to the county's response to the coronavirus pandemic and presenting their own theories about the virus and the vaccines that have been developed to fight it. In its message to NC Media, YouTube noted that the content violated its policy because quote, YouTube doesn't allow claims about COVID-19 vaccinations that contradict expert consensus from local health authorities or the World Health Organization. The Miners Foundry Cultural Center in Nevada City announced on its Facebook page today that in appreciation for the community's efforts to stay safe, it will offer customers a complimentary drink in exchange for proof of full vaccination from 2 to 6 p.m. on two upcoming Sundays, June 6th and June 20th. Nevada County Cannabis Compliance and Ubinet will team up for a town hall meeting to discuss cannabis licensing types from 5 to 6 p.m. on June the second. Register at ubinet.com. Some of the topics that will be covered in the town hall include cannabis tourism and cannabis cultivation's impacts on the environment and community. In the weather for our region, dry with slightly warmer temperatures Tuesday. Some unsettled weather and cooler temperatures after midweek. Tonight in Nevada City and Grass Valley, clear with a low of 56. On Tuesday, sunny with a high of 76, a low of 51, and light and variable winds. In Truckee tonight, clear with a low of 34. Tuesday in Truckee, mostly sunny with a high of 68 and a low of 37. Cooler Wednesday with a chance of rain and snow by Thursday. In Sacramento, clear tonight with a low of 51. Tuesday in Sacramento, sunny with a high in the mid-80s and a low of 49. Some tips from Sid Brown might help you find your footing while exploring the treasures of our local state parks.
6: Hello and welcome to A Walk in the Park. This is Sid Brown with Sierra Gold Parks Foundation. We are the nonprofit that supports the three state parks in Western Nevada County. Let's start with Empire Mine because it is springtime, and last time I believe I told you the roses were beginning to bloom, well, they are in full bloom now. So the historic Rose Gardens at Empire Mine are really perfect for for viewing. And the park is open and has been open throughout the pandemic and the COVID closures. But the interior part of the park, the historic core, is open now every single day from 10 until 5 p.m., um, people are welcome into the historic core. That takes them to where the gardens and the cottage and the, the fountains are, and as well as the historic mine yard where we have blacksmith volunteers demonstrating their craft. In addition to the roses, we have foxglove, we have dogwood, all kinds of beautiful flowering plants. There is a small fee to get into Historic Core, but the surrounding property of Empire Mine is completely free to walk the trails. So that's Empire Mine. Let's go down to South Yuba River State Park. South Yuba encompasses quite a few miles of the South Yuba River, from Malakoff Diggins where Humbug Creek comes into the South Yuba River all the way down to Englebright Lake and just downstream of the Bridgeport covered bridge. Most people are familiar with Bridgeport area of South Yuba River State Park. It's where the Buttermilk Bend Trail is, Point Defiance Trail, and the bridge that is currently still under reconstruction. We hope to welcome visitors back to be able to walk through the bridge this fall. So that's the hope and the plan. We'll see how that goes. Going upstream to Highway 49, where the 49 crosses the Yuba River, there is the area of the Jones Fire from last year. There is still a hard closure to that area that was burned, and that is the downstream section of the Independence Trail. We really ask that the public stay out of that area. It is still unsafe, and we have staff that are working to remove all the hazards, including the the trees that are in danger of falling over and hazards from the rubble and the burned debris. We are working on creating a new trail that will take one from Highway 49 down to Jones Bar, and we anticipate that will be constructed it will not be an accessible trail as in ada accessible but will be a much improved trail to get the public down to the river but that is not open yet and is not constructed yet in the meantime we encourage people to use the hoyt's trail going upstream from the highway 49 bridge and i believe the independence trail segment east and that is going upstream from the parking lot, is now available for access. The South Yuba River State Park continues on to Purdon and Edwards Crossing, those areas. Again, we ask that if people do start to go to the river as the weather warms, please be safe. Please understand the water is cold, the currents can be swift, and we do also remind our park visitors that there's no glass, no alcohol. And those areas that we just talked about, where you walk in, there's no camping, but the areas are open from sunrise to sunset, and those are beautiful times to enjoy our outdoor environment. Up at Malakoff Diggins State Historic Park, We are very excited to look and see that we're going to be opening the campground very soon. And they are reservable online from Reserve California. Please remember, whenever you come out to a park, bring a trash bag. Please bring all your own trash home. And if you happen to see anything that someone else left behind, let's help keep our parks clean and accessible and enjoyable for all. Also... Again, a warning about fire. No open fires. Please don't smoke at the river. This presents a hazard and it threatens us all. And also, please remember, do not obstruct the roadways. These are very narrow roads. We need to be able to allow our emergency vehicles to access all, all sides of the river, both sides. I would like to remind people about our website, the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation.org, all kinds of information at all about all three parks. Thank you so much. Please come to our parks and appreciate nature with me.
0: Sid Brown is a member of the Board of Directors of the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6:30, it's Wings, the Women's International News Gathering Service, with a report on how India's farming women have transformed the country's economy, nutrition, and environment. And at 7 pm, it's Democracy Now with Amy Goodman. KVMR gets support from Mama Madrone's Eco Emporium on Broad Street, Nevada City, and online. Offering jewelry, organic bedding, body care, and more. Online store and information, mamamadrones.com. And Automotive City, offering complete automotive service for foreign or domestic vehicles. Also, smog testing. Napa Auto Care Center and AAA Facility. Monday through Thursday, 7 to 4.30, and Friday mornings, automotivecitygrassvalley.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Have a great evening, and we'll see you tomorrow.